0: Just as every journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, so every journey of a thousand calories starts with a single bite. Which should be my first cake? One route of cake exploration leads back to my childhood. Food, as countless writers have pointed out, is a wonderful way to reawaken early memories. I have found, many times, that when entertaining friends, A nostalgic element on the table, a bottle of H.P. sauce, a packet of love-heart sweets, a jam roly-poly served with bird's custard, will prompt reminiscence and lively conversation. The most famous example of this in literature is, of course, the madeleine crumbled into a lime-flower tisane that sets in motion the one-and-a-quarter million words— of Marcel Proust's À la recherche du temps perdu. I'm not going to go to Combray, the village in that book, in search of a madeleine, mainly because this is a book about British cakes, but also because Combray is fictional, and Illiers, where Proust actually lived, trades more on the image of the cake than the cakes themselves. I'd also like to point out that according to Proustian scholars, in the first draft of that novel, the narrator had his memory stirred by a piece of bread and jam. The madeleine and lime was suggested by the book's editor. But the madeleine moment is undoubtedly effective, and I found on many occasions, while researching this book, that a piece of cake prompted in me and those I consulted welcome memories that had remained long hidden. So, which was the first cake for me? I was born in the 1960s, and the first cake-like foods that I can recall are Farley's Rusks and Sponge Fingers. My mother, a child of the 1920s, who was herself brought up by parents with Victorian values, insists now that both of those items were too luxurious to have been found often in our household but my memories and sense-responses are quite clear. Almost certainly they were treats which would account for the firmness with which they have lodged in my mind. Firmness is not the texture that I recall in relation to either of these products, though. Sogginess is what comes to mind. A Farley's Rusk, if you are not familiar with the concept, is a hockey-puck of sweet-baked nothingness whose primary purpose is to introduce babies to the concept of solid food. The idea, and those who have raised children will almost certainly know this, is that the friable rusk breaks easily, even in a toothless mouth, into crumbs that dissolve. The high sugar content, it is the second named ingredient after wheat flour and before palm oil, ensures that baby rapidly learns to associate solid food with a sugar rush, and comes back for more. I remember clearly, as a young child, not a toothless baby but not far beyond toddlerhood, eating a Farley's Rusk with milk. The Rusk sat in the base of a small bowl which was decorated with incidents from the exciting life of Peter Rabbit. My mother would pour a little milk around the Rusk and hand me my spoon, And my great delight was carving off little chunks that combined a top layer of crisp golden crust with the soft white sodden crumb beneath. Some childhood food memories can have me scuttling to the store cupboard or the high street for a rapid reprise. This is not one of them. But the other memory I have from around this era formed in the little kitchen of our old house at Hadley Highstone near Barnet just north of London, is both closer to cake and closer to appetising. Sponge fingers, as they are known to the British, are not only one of my oldest food memories, but also one of the earliest forms of cake as we now think of it. In the easiest assignment of this entire project, I have just walked around the corner to our nearest branch of Tesco and bought some, an action that, for the outlay of one pound fifteen, brings me instantly closer to my childhood and to five hundred years of baking history.